1: I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things we've been talking about a lot in recent months and years is kind of the big guys of social media, the big guys of the internet, the big guys of search. And you can look at the way the internet makes money with exclusives, with sponsored ads, with paid promotion, with curated results, with search optimization, and with preferred content. And when you look at who the big players are, it really comes down to, in my opinion, companies like Apple, Facebook, Google, some subsector companies like um, YouTube, so iTunes, They're super important. For exclusives, you get the consumption of specific content. And that needs a a special platform. So Donald Trump, when he was running for president, got on Facebook Live before a debate and said, I'm on Facebook Live. Come watch the Donald Trump show. It was exclusively on Facebook. Same thing's happened a lot with Apple Music at this point in time. So... Search optimization, Google dominates Microsoft. Optimization algorithms require content creators to adapt to search engine requirements. A lot of SEO going on. Preferred content, you kind of see how the whole subscription model is working out there and really there aren't that many players. So as far as digital, digital consumption goes. So traffic to Google and Facebook, Um, As far as a percentage of all traffic, uh, Google's kind of um, stayed pretty steady in the last three to four years. So the traffic to Google, you know, um, has been kind of sideways, whereas the traffic to Facebook has gone from very low back in 2012, 2013, to where it is now surpassing Google, so social's overtaken search and, um, as the primary vehicle for digital discovery. And to show you how things change again, I remember not that long ago when searching for Christmas presents or searching for, um, uh, a GPS or searching for, you know, deals on the web, I would go-, go to Google. Now I go to Amazon. So Amazon's a search player, even though you don't think of them as a search player. I think that's something. Fun to start thinking about and fun to start squeezing into our heads. A lot of the major platforms dictate increasingly strict discovery requirements for media creators during each platform shift. So for search engine optimization, SEO, you required publishers to constantly tweak content in order to guarantee discovery. So you almost had to have an employee completely dedicated to letting the Internet know that you were there, there therefore, when people would search. For instance, um, you almost had to throw in keywords on your site and AdWords and things along those lines Um, on a monthly basis. If I wanted to find CFP Chad Burton, every couple weeks you'd have to do a you'd have to type in CFP Chad Burton giving speech CFP Chad Burton on radio CFP Chad Burton so that when someone searches for CFP, it would come up boom. So then there was this first party publishing. So we went from search engine optimization to The next step, which is discovery on social platforms, requires loosening control over the ad stack and sharing advertising revenue. So some Facebook algorithm tweaks favor user-generated content over publisher content. So I can upload a video from Cron to my Facebook page, I Hate Rob Black, or Cron 4 Rob Black. Or I can put a link to a YouTube, or I can put a link back to the, the original Cron 4 site, The one that's going to get the most pay or bang is the one that's uploaded through Facebook. And finally, bot applications is where we're going as far as platforms dictating discovery requirements. Voice-controlled bots like Siri and search widgets like Google Now pull content from predetermined sources and publishers. So discovery algorithms on these platforms are going to grow on influence. We're not quite there yet. But if you were to say, hey, Siri, play me a song, um, not today, but in the future, she'll get smarter and smarter and smarter and know what sort of music you're looking for. In terms of mobile, traffic for the top 50 sites increasingly exceeds direct app traffic, and it's now almost three times greater. Mobile web versus apps. Um, I'm shocked at at the way my wife is on paper. If I were to rate this down five years ago, I would not have predicted this. I used to like going to the grocery store. Now I, I still do, but for only the fresh things. I buy everything, everything through Amazon Pantry that won't spoil. So whether it would be paper towels or toilet paper or uh, maybe muscle milk or things along those lines. To the point that I can go to the bathroom, sit down in the toilet. Look around and say, "Uh uh-oh, I'm down to my last roll. Grab my phone. Click, 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 click. Toilet paper's on its way. It'll be there tomorrow. It's like, thank you. Then I can wipe knowing that I have enough to last for 24 hours. Or maybe I I should, like, go a little cheap on it and, like, you know, get as much as I can because it's going to be 48 hours before it's delivered. So there's a lot of challenges right now on Discovery. So what you see is there's something called CPL cost per lead, but there's going to be something on a cost per install that you need to start thinking about and a cost per loyal user. Um, Amazon's got room to grow because of loyal users. And I like what Jeff Bezos said recently when he was talking about what makes Amazon so good is he said, we do things that people like. I kind of like that idea. So whether it's music or television or uh, movies, whether it's getting goods delivered to your house, uh, I'm getting ready to go on vacation down the road. And I'll probably buy my book from Amazon. Or maybe I'll step up to the world of Kindle. I'm still living in that world of, I like holding a book in my hand. I like the feel of it. But then I'm starting to get to the point where I hate books like back in uh, the college years and just 20 years old years. Friends would move a lot and they'd be like, hey, can you help me move? I'm like, how many books do you have? Because if you're if you read a lot, I don't want to help you move. Books break your back when you're moving them. So in my opinion. So even when a consumer discovers and downloads an app, they're highly unlikely to repeat using it. Some people download and never use, which is to me, hilarious. Because on my phone right now, I heard about this um, company that is doing broadcasting live from the NYSE. It's called Cheddar. And so I downloaded the app, and I could watch live television. From what I'm reading, millennials will watch Wall Street on their phone, as long as there's some video behind it. And Cheddar does that. So I downloaded it. I've never opened it. And then when, I, like, when you do open it, it says you have to sign in through Facebook. I'm like, oh... They know who you are. And we give up this information willingly. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Don't forget, I always have seminars coming up. I need you to be there. I need to put faces to names. I need to see that you're listening. Sign up at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com
0: in the machine. It's like a default. Oh, Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
1: KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money invested in more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about investing, hot business stories of the day, there's a couple, will the market continue to rally into the end of the year, I think a lot of people have that question, so the stock market had big reason to rally yesterday, Um, you look at the treasury secretary nominee, he was talking tax cuts, reduced regulation, oil companies were rocking and rolling, Oil prices were up 10%, so a lot of oil companies were up somewhere from 5 to 20%. It's a big move. The stock market struggled to maintain an opening rally, though. Um, a little bit of short covering activity. Uh, there was a weak technology sector. There's that aura of valuation concerns still lingering on a pretty regular basis. China led things off with its official PMI report for November, checking in at 517 That was up from 51.2 reading in October, and the highest reading since July 2014. So, a couple other big stories for today to look at. Initial claims increased 17,000. First-time unemployment claims up 17,000 to 268,000. That's disappointing relative to expectations, but it's still a pretty good trend and a pretty good number. And, uh... Continuing claims sit at 2.081 million. That's people who've been unemployed for a long time in a row. Um, as you fall off and you get less money, but you still get money. number of apparel retailers are out there today, um, and they've reduced their fourth quarter, quarter earnings expectations, basically saying difficult industry conditions. GAS, PVH, and Express all issued fourth quarter guidance well below consensus expectations uh, dollar general also disappointing fourth quarter guidance uh, so there's some negatives you know markets had a big huge run since the post-election uh, it's going into a very well it's in a very favorable time to invest november december january um, so what sectors will do best what will sectors will do worst? these are all things that we're pretty aggressively trying to figure out on a daily basis at this point in time, will Santa and the rally continue? Um, the okay. Santa rally, the January effect, the ho-ho-ho, now you're calling it the Trump rally. After very strong November, we turn the page to December, and you must want to say, come on, come on, stay November, uh, because the expectations are very, very high. December ranks number one in monthly performance since 1950 for the S&P 500 Stock Index. Uh, since 1969, the Santa Rally, um, which, again, it runs December 23rd, roughly, through the second trading day of the new year. It's pushed the market up 1.5%. A lot of people think that's because uh, professionals are gone. They're spending the week before and the week after Christmas with their families maybe in Europe or something snoozy. Um, Maybe it's because of the small caps. Maybe it's a little bit of a budget flush. Maybe because it's not a lot of uh, uh, volatility, not a lot of activity. So that's out there as far as what people are looking forward to. Um, Now, we are, as a nation, have taken on an enormous amount of credit. And one of the negatives instantly out of the new presidential election is it's the expectation of higher interest rates. Um, And it's something we're going to continue to pay very, very close attention to um, because the Federal Reserve meets in early December and will they or won't they raise interest rates? Um, It's expected that they will. And the 10-year Treasury now sits at 2.44%. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton, talk a little financial planning as we round out the, the financial planning thoughts of the day. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad got an email, says, listen to you on podcast every day. I've got a question about backdoor Roth IRAs. My wife and I are both 35 and want to contribute to Roth IRAs. Our AGI, adjusted gross income, is above 193000 We are both public employees with pension, CalPERS, and we maximize our 457 contributions each year at $18,000 each. I have been told before that since we have public pensions, we are not allowed to open traditional IRA accounts that we can then convert to a Roth. I know that I cannot have a pre-tax IRA because of the pension and also because we max out our 457s. But is it still possible as an employee with a pension to open an IRA with after-tax money and convert it that to a Roth? If so, are there any complications that I need to be aware of in light of my situation? Very complicated question. One Uh, of the reasons I'm glad you're in the business, because there's a lot of phrases in there like,
2: backdoor Roth? Four, five, seven?
1: Yeah, I know the four, five, seven. It's kind of like a 401k, 403b kind of buddy, but um, pre-tax, post-tax, conversion. There's a lot going on
2: yeah and and the the rules are confusing enough where it sounds like either h r or a CPA or an old agent or something said no you 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 make too much money you can't do an i r a well that's actually not correct. you can fund an i r a if you want to but you absolutely make way too much money to deduct that from your income so i mean the the limits, limits are really really low it's um under under sixty thousand married family and jointly um it's, it's you know in the '50s really that if you have a 401k available or 457 or other some other plan, and you make a contribution to an IRA, even if you have that plan and barely put any money into it, you can't take a deduction. You can still fund it, but it's called a non-deductible contribution. So you can still open a normal IRA and put money in it. And you, when you put the money in, that that year that you file your taxes. In order to never pay taxes again on that contribution because you put in after-tax money, you have to file a Form 8606. So the idea here is that uh, you know the people that are lucky enough to be able to say, I'm maxing out my 401K, I make too much money to fund a Roth, which tells me that they're making over 180000 between the two of them. Right. Um, If I make too much money to fund a Roth, so in their case, they can't fund a Roth. They make too much money to fund a Roth. They make way too much money to deduct an IRA. So the strategy (laughs) strategy is, which is a little bit silly, instead of the government just saying, hey, let everybody do a Roth. Everybody is so underprepared for retirement. Just let everybody do a Roth. (laughs) So the strategy is you put money into a normal IRA account, any normal IRA account. Go to TD Ameritrade, open up an IRA, fund it. And then that year for your taxes, you file the Form 8606, notifying the IRS that so it's a non-deductible contribution, and you turn around and go to TD Ameritrade, open up a Roth account, and then you fill out a conversion form, and you convert the money that's in that IRA right into a Roth. If you own, if you do not have any other IRA funds, it's tax-free. So it's just a way to fund a Roth with extra paperwork.
0: 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
1: KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Even though e-commerce may not seem like much compared to in-store retail, e-commerce continues to grow quite nicely. Um, nearly all growth now for retail comes from online sales, um, so it's continuing to pick up. Purchases made on desktop remain strong and steady, but mobile has also, you know, shown the rocket-like surge from four billion dollars in first quarter of 2012 to $14 million in the first quarter of 2016. So what's driving all that growth? It's it's consumers. They're going digital. number of online consumers and shoppers have grown nearly 20 million since 2015. I think that's a great thing. Um, it's great and it's horrible. You know, we keep talking about, not we keep talking about, but just turn on the headline news and... Manufacturing jobs are going to Mexico, right? Retail jobs are just disappearing. They're being replaced with kiosks and, uh you know, mobile purchasing. Now, it's also created a lot of factory jobs of fulfillment. But it's not one for one. So consumers are, you know, again, they're going digital. And I don't know if there's any way to stop this, Uh During the election fervor, uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump fighting each other, Donald Trump, you know, he took a shot at Amazon. And uh, some would say that he probably did that because the Washington Post is owned by Amazon. Some would say that he maybe did it because uh, the average person out there is like, that company's doing so good and I'm not. Um, So we'll see. The average consumer online... Is spending more. The amount of money spent online last year grew by seven billion dollars in one quarter. So the first quarter of 2015 versus the first quarter of 2016, we've jumped in online spending from 61 billion to 68 billion. This is a trend, and you're making money on investments in trends. The trend of people getting older, taking more pharmaceuticals, the trend of millennials leaving mom and dad's house and getting a home. Uh, you bet they're going to go to Home Depot for the first time. You bet they're going to get paint. Uh, William sonoma will be a play, like, hey, let's do a housewarming party, right? You make money on trends. So consumers are shopping online more often. So not only are we spending more, not only are more of us online doing it, but when we are, we're spending more as well. So, and I I know that definitely hits me. So, um, so, it's worthy of note. Future of retail continues to shake it up, so to speak. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One of the areas that we continue to pound, 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 pound is save, 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 save. And a friend of mine was out walking a dog with a beautiful woman who just changed careers and she's making more money and she's kind of, you know, talking it up kind of big and one of the first things he says is, are you saving more money? Um, I kind of rub off on my friends. and My friends kind of rub off on their friends, which is kind of cool. Um, I think that's a good thing. There are always ways to take guesswork out of investing and when you make more money, You should be investing a little bit more. Not maybe all of it, but definitely a little bit more of it. Uh, Best place you could do it typically is in your workplace 401k, 403b or 457. Um, One of the areas that I would be concerned with if, you know, let's say I'm a 30-year-old and I'm changing jobs. And they they go, well, you can't participate in the company 401k. It's a great 401k. We've got 6% matching, but you can't do it for at least a year. I may not change jobs. Uh, because I think the saving component for retirement of one year of my career, which, what do we work, 25 to 40 years typically? Is that the thought? and that's the thought, you know, losing 4% of your work ability to save money, I, I might not take that job. So um, just throwing that out there for you. A lot of people ask me for specifics on retirement saving funds, and there's a lot of really good ones. But they're all going to depend on you and not, you know, saying, here's a great list. I could put together a list, but then you have to take that list and try to apply it to you. For instance, um, there's a nice one, the American Balanced Fund. It's beaten the average balanced fund in every calendar year except for one in 2009 over the last 11 years. It's got pretty good performance. It's got pretty low cost, 65 basis points. Ticker symbol is B-A-L-F-X, and it's balanced, so it's kind of matching that growth and the uh, value together. So they're focused on high-quality dividend-paying stocks like Microsoft, um, although they do have some sexy names like Amazon. Part of their income consists of a bond portfolio with debt guaranteed by the U.S. government, which is pretty good debt. Um, In the last few years, it's averaged 6.4% as a fund. In the last five years, it's averaged 11%. In the last 10 years, it's averaged 6.4%. And that does not include dividends. So, you know, you're like, okay, well, that's kind of boring. It is. And it's kind of something that's worked really well in the last five years, particularly. Um, How about the American Fund's Euro-Pacific Growth, where you're like, well, Europe's been kind of decimated, and maybe there's some extra value there. American Fund's Euro-Pacific Growth, lovely fund. Um there's a lot of really great funds out there, like if you need an income fund, it's pretty easy to find this stuff, Dodge and Cox Income Fund. It's yielding about 3.4 percent through up to you know one good year at four and a half percent. Over the last 10 years, it's averaged five percent, but it, it has an expense ratio of 40 basis points. and I don't know if you really need income, but if you did, and you didn't want to go with individual bonds, maybe that would be your issue. So that's one of the, the the toughest things about picking funds for people. Um, a, I don't know your risk profile and or your risk experience, but also I don't know your spouse. I don't know a lot of special conditions, like do you have a child who's high special needs? Uh, that's much more expensive, and that turns a retirement plan from you know maybe two people into three people, but two people for 30 years and maybe three people for 60 years or one person for 60 years. Um, I don't know. So, you know, it's things that you have to factor in. That's one of the, the weaknesses of trying to get free advice and not working directly with someone. I'd be careful because of exactly what I'm saying right there. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Again, I want you to see the world in little subcategories like wealth creation, that's from age 20 to 60. Wealth preservation from 60 to 100. Um, Investing to create wealth, but investing in retirement to maintain as much of it as you can for as long as you can. Uh, Retirement, what does retirement look like to you? Where is it going to be? What's an RMD? And if you don't know what an RMD is, you better learn fast especially if you're approaching retirement, Um, it's one of the things that it will come up. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A couple stories out there. I think uh, the first Friday of every month is something you need to pay attention to. It's the employment report. That's a real important one. We know that we're in an environment now where we're talking probably higher interest rates, And that's going to be real important, tied towards the auto industry and the real estate industry. Both industries should suffer setbacks because of it. Now, maybe not in the short term on real estate, but definitively in the long term, if rates start a prolonged March higher. No one's predicting prolonged March higher, but a lot of people are predicting a move higher. Regulators are airing a lot of concern right now on higher interest rates and auto loans because the number of Americans who are falling behind on their car loans is increasing. It's booming. It's near a record pace. So do you know anyone who's fallen behind on their um, auto loan? Anyone who's become delinquent? So the increased level of distress associated with subprime loan delinquencies is a concern. And it shows you that the auto industry is maybe not as healthy as it was. Um, perceived to be because a lot of subprime loans are tied up in the auto industry. I was reading a report recently about the increase in delinquencies and uh, one of the things that shocked me was this: they got a quote from a 74-year-old grandmother who said, I didn't really want to buy a car. Her name is Violet. And this is classic predatory lending, in my opinion. But she said, I got a a, a postcard from a local dealership promising a prize of a pearl necklace and a fishing rod if she visited the used car lot in May 2015. So when she did, she qualified for a $20,000 loan to purchase a 2011 Ford Fusion. Uh, She had to stop making payments, and they had to come get the car because she couldn't pay for it. She was on Social Security. She receives food stamps, and she lives in subsidized housing, and somehow she qualified for a $20,000 loan. Um, That's insanity to me. So if the economy slips, the auto industry is going to get hit hard um, with cars coming back to them and loans basically imploding on them. So can you imagine going to a car dealership because they're going to give you a, a pearl necklace and, oh yes, a fishing rod. I guess you could get me off the couch for a fishing rod, even though I don't know what I'd do with it. it seeing that I've never caught a fish. But maybe I'll come to your car dealer. So. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.
0: online at robblack.com now back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW
1: I'm Rob Black talking money investing and more thanks for listening to the show 800-516-1220 I don't get enough phone calls but I won't cry (laughs) <laughs> you don't even know me. Um I can use another phone call too. two. Eight hundred, five one six, twelve twenty to each calls on the air. Um, money investing in more is kind of the, the theme of this show. Sometimes I go way off reservation and uh kinda go it alone and some of my content gets a little on the goofy side, no doubt about it. So Uh, don't be shy about having an odd question. I think one of the better stories that I can remember is not that long ago, um, I met someone at a conference and I think she kind of liked me. As She told her friends she wanted to marry me. Um, But I started talking to her and getting to know her and she was engaged to a a guy who um, proposed to her at Disneyland. I'm like, ooh, not good. Not good. And uh, he ended up watching a lot of Kardashians, and uh, they're engaged and living together. And she's got, how do you put this, um, six years of him. Um, They're kind of into college, as sweethearts kind of thing. And she pays off his credit card debt. No, not his credit card debt. His college debt of 30000 And then he runs up credit card debt of 30000 She goes, I'm not doing it again. And I think that's why she started looking for someone like me who was more financially sensible. Um, well, things weren't going to work out with me. Uh, that was pretty clear. So she moves on to another guy. And um, she gets engaged pretty fast. And you know, she's in Mexico, she's in New York. They're living a pretty good lifestyle, and boom, uh, pretty nice-looking wedding. And then, you know, a baby. And this all happened from ex fiancé to hoping for a new guy to getting a new guy, getting engaged, and having a kid, all in a three-year time period. And I kind of feel bad for the new guy who has the baby with her, in large part because he didn't get six, seven, eight years of her lovely and wonderful company, um, her biological clock started ticking. And, uh, you know, her father passed away, and a lot of little things, you know, play into this, is that a lot of people do have a biological clock, and a lot of, I think men do, too. Um, You know, I heard uh, some guy getting interviewed not too long ago, and he was like, well... Yeah, you know, life was fun in my 20s, and, you know, I had a lot of freedom, but as soon as I hit 30, 34, I decided it was time to settle down. And uh, maybe it's like you start seeing gray hairs here and there. Maybe it's that your muscles don't build as fast as they used to. But biological clocks and finding a mate to spend the rest of your life with is kind of a true thing. And there's so many financial lessons in this so many financial lessons that, you know, don't pay off debt of someone who you're living with who you're not married to. Um, understand a potential partner because this girl got kind of sick of the first guy because he was watching the Kardashians and running up credit card debt versus buying a house. You know, she had some traditional things in her head that she wanted to go that direction in and he wasn't going to be it. So he got dumped. dumpoed which is Spanish for jilted. And um, the new guy, you know, the financial lessons there are life's about to change for you. You just went from a fun fling, you know, Mexico and New York, those things are expensive, but when you throw in a kid, they become, you know, it's not suddenly you're not flying you and your lover to New York, you're flying you, your wife, and your kid. So it goes from... You know, potentially splitting the the vacation. To if she's a stay-at-home mom, you're covering all that, and the lifting gets heavier. And you're now expected to get a house. And you're now expected to settle down. And you get the idea. Let's go to a quick phone call. Let's see who got there. I'm trying to save my voice a little bit. Chris in South San Francisco. How are Good you morning, guys? Rob. Morning.
0: I just had a quick question for you. Uh, I wanted to take get your take on uh, earthquake insurance as a new homeowner.
1: Yeah, um, I own a home in the Bay Area and I don't have earthquake insurance. Um, My home has been there for 65, 70 years almost and it hasn't fallen down yet. Mm. So it's got a good foundation. Um, I look at insurance as always, can you afford to lose it? It sounds like you're a relatively young guy and you said you just got the home. So if it were to fall down today, it's kind of the bank's problem versus your problem. Okay. Um, now, if you're 65, 70 years old and you have nothing but a house to live off, um, yeah, I'd consider uh, earthquake insurance. But you insure what you can't afford to lose. That's why most people in their 20s don't have health care. Because yeah. when you're 20, you don't get sick. Um, you insure you know, a Maserati for as much as you can insure it for, because that's expensive. But with, with a Chevette that's paid off, you're like, eh, <laughs> Yeah, not so much. Okay. Um, so I would get earthquake insurance if, you know, you got a significant amount of your of your equity in it and you feel uncomfortable with it. Uh, one of the things I would do in that scenario is I would take money out of the home and put it elsewhere. Yeah. So, again, keeping my mortgage relatively high as long as I can service it and kind of like selling it before it's sold. Um, but, again, I think everyone's different, and thanks for the call. And you might have been here during the 89 earthquake and – Uh, you may see the value in it. Um, I'm not saying it's not a value, but it's very, very expensive. I would rather you, and again, for me, if my house gets knocked down, I've got 600,000 equity, let's say roughly. That's going to hurt, but it's not going to financially ruin me. Um, so it's kind of up to where you are in your head. And don't forget the government's also going to bail you out a little bit in that scenario. Uh, usually about 60 cents on the dollar. So I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general Michael
0: J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence
1: Agency, knew all the
0: government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals
1: in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off
0: alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn.